is Daniel Montero, your host tonight, GW Smoke Break TV. We're here in San Jose, California, over here at Current Tattoo. It's been a lovely and productive day at NCIA. But uh, I really appreciate the time that Mandy's taken out of her busy day to sit down with me, and we're going to have a great conversation. We're going to get to know her on a, on a more personal level and in that way humanize our industry a little bit. But really, Mandy, I've always admired your tenacity, your hustle, you work hard. You're not afraid to speak in public. You do it no, well. Not. <laughs> You're actually respected on a national level, and you've received national coverage uh, in the cannabis space. Um, so with those things being said, I want the audience to know a little bit more about you and how cannabis uh, first entered your life uh, on a personal level. Oh, goodness. Cannabis on a personal level. Um, so the first time I ever used cannabis, I was 17. Um, I actually was going through a bout of depression. I had a very close friend of mine since fourth grade um, pass away. It was, it was um, tragic, I'm it sure. It was very tragic. Uh, very first person my age that I had known to pass away, and it was a very close friend since I was a young girl. Um, I actually found cannabis uh, by accident. A friend of mine knew that I was feeling really depressed and suggested that I try cannabis to help. and. I was really nervous. I was always a goody two shoes in high school, um, captain of the cheer squad type, you know, never got in trouble. And I immediately thought and had guilt about it, right? My parents are going to find out I'm going to be in trouble. Um, Who's a female friend? A female friend? Uh, yeah. And so I ended up trying it. And it, for a couple of days, actually, I felt less sad. Right, and so I decided I was going to try it again. Were you smoking joints? Um, actually, we were <laughs> smoking out of a Coke can. I, <laughs> I swear that's the image I had in my head. Yeah, I took a little, yeah. little, little, little pin and made a hole. Oh something? yeah, it was super fabulous. It really was. Awesome. It was very yeah. fabulous. High school. I thought it was normal. <laughs> this, was, this was in high school, right? High school. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I tried it when I was 17 and a little break in my college years actually which is probably the opposite of what most people do I started drinking a lot in, my, in college I um, put on that freshman 15 for sure and um, when I graduated college I actually started picking up cannabis use again and had decreased drastically my alcohol intake and started noticing I was losing weight that was the only thing I had changed um, so kind of fun fact right interesting Yes, and so that's how cannabis entered your personal First life. Personal life, yeah. Mm -hmm. Before we go any further, do you want to, you want to light the joint? Yes, we need to. I feel like it's very appropriate. No, it, it'll make the uh, conversation better, I think. And this is what we would normally do off camera. We'd smoke a joint like when we saw each other at Union Square, remember? With Morris? I ran into you and uh, Michelle, I believe. It was Michelle. So Mandy, yeah. so from using cannabis in your personal life, now you're a leading professional in the industry. How did that transition happen? Okay. I'm just Repeat yourself one more time. It's loud in here. <laughs> Excuse me if I lift it a little bit. No, you're good. So from using cannabis on a personal level, um, you know, she had a, an effect on your life. How did that transition into you being um, involved in the industry? Because, I mean, right. you had many accomplishments, so let's start there. Right, right. So, 
Uh, when I first came into the industry, it, it truly was uh, an accidental situation. Um, I had been running a nonprofit counseling organization and had found that I had a real knack for business development. Um, I had a friend who had a business consulting firm. They asked me to come in and facilitate a business development plan for a potential cannabis company. And so I immediately started doing research and... Did they know you No. No. And um, so I immediately came in, started doing research, started learning about the industry. and. Um, Six months later, they asked me to step in as their VP of Sales and Marketing. Um, what do you attribute that decision to? My first three months of research in this industry, I never felt more certain about being in the right place at the right time. And I don't necessarily mean that really from an opportunity standpoint. I truly mean it from a community standpoint. I really felt that my career path and my passion in life um, and my education level and my experience specifically to the Northern California community was all kind of colliding in this industry. Um, I definitely have a voice. Um, I like to speak for those that are too scared to speak for themselves. I feel that um, I get a really good energy behind it and I feel that maybe I can present information in a way where usually people who are a little bit more close-minded might be more willing to hear. And my mind just went blank because I asked myself <laughs> and I never do that so I'm a little embarrassed. So you went to college. I did. And would you say that your degree that you uh, earned while you were there helped you in your experience in the industry? Yeah, so I actually have a bachelor's degree in psychology, a minor in nonprofit business. Um, I always knew that I was going to somehow, in some way, be involved in a charitable organization, whether it meant that I founded one or maybe perhaps, um, you know, doing volunteer work or making donations to something. I knew that I wanted to understand the infrastructure and the important elements of running that that separated it from being a for-profit business. Um, then I took three years of graduate school and I have a master's degree in marriage, child, and family counseling. Um, so I was a counselor for a number of years. I ran a nonprofit counseling organization. A lot of people don't know that about me, actually. Um, yes. It's kind of funny because um, my kids are young. They're uh, eight and 12. And both of them were, one of them wasn't even born, and the other one was a baby. So, I think I might have accidentally let that go out on you, I'm not sure. Okay, no worries. Kids are 8 and 12. 8 and 12, yep. And then when they were younger is when you started? Yeah, my son was 2 when I started as a therapist. Um, and my daughter, she was not even born. Um, when I ended up deciding to come into cannabis full time, I ended up passing on that nonprofit to the board and, and stepped aside. Came into cannabis full steam ahead. Last year, I was given a wonderful opportunity to sit on the board at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Love it. Um, it's been the biggest blessing in my life 
because it literally puts me in that space where I get to speak for those who aren't sure how to say what they need to say. And I make it a personal journey of mine to get out to all the communities throughout California and hear what people are saying and take trips to Colorado and Oregon and, and listen to what our current business owners are, are hoping for and what their struggles are. And also to go to states where cannabis is not legal yet and how many people are excited to change and want to know what they need to do to create change. Um, it's a responsibility I don't take lightly, that's for sure. And I just want to take it a step back real quick and understand yeah. how counseling, that experience and that degree, that's what I was getting at. How has that um, helped you in the industry? Has it helped you? You know what's interesting? Within business development, it definitely helps me because one of my strengths is being able to understand people's wants and needs and motivations, right? That obviously helps from a business development, marketing angles, and figuring out your strategic plan. But more importantly, I think it really has lent itself to helping me create a dialogue between two groups of people that may not always or may not necessarily have started a conversation. Um, I really get passionate when I can see these two worlds come together and they have a common bond and the cannabis plant creates that. It creates that dialogue, right? Yeah, you said that. So um, I get really excited about that. Um, it's the best part of what I get to do. I love what I do professionally, but I consider NCIA my charity work. It's, it's where I can use the strongest points of me um, to benefit the largest number of people. And no matter how strong you feel, if you don't have approval from your parents, sometimes it's hard. And you made a national article. It was the uh, New York Times? Yes, New York Times. Do you, do you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure, that was a really big honor too. I um, I got a call one day from a journalist at the New York Times, uh, Julie Weed, shockingly. Um, and she was looking to interview somebody who had not told their family what they were doing for work before they started doing it for work. And I'm a single mom, so for me to have gone from providing for my family as a therapist to an industry that my right-wing, uber-Christian parents knew nothing about was going to be an earth-shattering thing, right? Um, yep. And so when I made this decision, um, I made this decision knowing it was the right decision for me, but I wasn't sure how my parents were going to respond. Matter of fact, that's a lie. I was certain my parents would hate me. <laughs> and how did it go down? So over the course of about five or six months, I just started. Um, I just started you bringing up the topic. Devil. It's a little bit. So did you hear about this? You know, CBD or THC is not just you know for getting you high. It's for, for pain relief, and you know maybe you should think about this. Did you have that time window in your mind? Like I'm gonna give it five months to graduate. Every couple of days or so, I was just trickling a little drop in That's the bucket. That's awesome. That's smart. And then after a few months of that, I said, you know, I was offered an opportunity. And how did she react? I'm sure you remember crystal clear. It was the most classic reaction. 
It was, no, it wasn't even that. It was very supportive. But I could tell my mom was really forcing it. She said, I suppose there's a lot of things people are doing with that these days. <laughs> and how does she feel now? She's super proud. So she's, she's really she's proud. Yeah, I mean, her big question, she was worried I was going to go to jail. Right? Um, like I said, I'm a single mom, so I, there's a risk in that, right? And um, so obviously worried about that. And then, you know, am I really going to make money? Yes or no? Can I support a family? Did you value what your, excuse me, did you value what your stepfather thought? Oh, yeah. How, how did he react? Absolutely. Um, my, my stepdad is a little bit more liberal than my, my mom. I was more worried about my mom. Yeah. My stepdad, he's definitely been the easier one to talk to about hard topics, right? Based on your experience, especially traveling the country, what do you feel is the biggest misconception of a daily cannabis user, especially as a woman? Yes, thank you for bringing that up, actually. So, um, I think mothers, even more than just the females, right, have a harder time. Um, mothers are automatically deemed as the all-knowing, all-being control source of the development of the child. Honor the goddess. Right, yes. Um, and I think that when a mother makes a choice that's a little bit outside of mainstream, everyone raises an eyebrow. And if the child ever misbehaves, it's because the mom does this. So I was very much so worried living in a very um, conservative community uh, that Sacramento. I was in Sacramento, uh, technically Roseville. I was very much so aware that my community, if they found out what I did for work, was going to ruffle some feathers. To say the least. Yeah, yeah. And I... Pluck those feathers. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually had a really great mentor that told me one day, she's a mom also. Can you please tell us about your mentor? Yeah. Because we all have one. Yeah. Um, she probably doesn't know that she mentored me in this moment, but she very much so did. Um, she is the wife to the founder of Connected Cannabis, Stephanie. She's a wonderful woman. She said to me one day, I said, do you ever worry that all these moms out here are judging you and your family and might even treat your kids differently because of what your family does? You're getting out there. Yeah. Everybody knows Mandy. Yeah. And I mean, Connected Cannabis is one of the biggest brands in the state, right? So she says to me, Absolutely. I don't worry one bit about that. And I said, this is her telling me, she said, I said, why? She says, cannabis provides a damn good living for me and my family. We work hard, we help a lot of people, and my kids will never be without this life that they have right now. And I am damn proud of that. And that was like the light bulb, that's all I needed. And from that moment forward, in my uber-conservative community, I was a cannabis business owner. You came out? I came out. Came out of the closet, that's what I say. And I, I say said, that a lot. y'all just need to know. <laughs> and it felt and good. I'm going to tell you. So uh, here I am. Can you share with us uh, one of the, like, uh, like the most oddest reaction you got or, or a player hater like somebody who just totally player hated on you oh so yeah um 
I don't know if you guys have ever heard of like the cheer mom mentality, right? Stereotype. But totally stereotypical cheer mom. It might have gone out again. No, it's okay, it's okay. Um, I like to talk with my hands while I'm smoking. No worries. Yeah. Um, my community was a community that really valued, valued the strong cheerleader, like athlete, right? We were very competitive. But um, there is very much so the cheer mom culture, right, that overrides that. Cutthroats? Yeah. And my daughter's a cheerleader. And so... So you're I, a cutthroat. And I was a cheer coach. So when the news hit the street at the local football and cheer program, that not only did I somehow work in cannabis, but my primary job was to help change laws and to also maintain the uh, flow of product throughout the marketplace. They with the city council. Um, let's just say a lot of eyebrows were raised. I didn't have quite as many fans on the bench by me that week at the next game, but I had twice the inbox messages on my social media accounts. And they were all the parents from the league wanting to know. What do I do for arthritis? How do I not get too high? How much do I eat in an edible? And I was like, you guys all stopped hanging out with me last weekend. <laughs> so that was one of those moments for me. And so the wife of Connected Cannabis, uh, she was your mentor in that moment? In that moment, she really was. Um, yeah. Do you have a career mentor? I have a few of them, actually. Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Uh, yes. Um, she probably doesn't know this either, but my business partner, Kimberly Cargyle, she has been such an inspiration to me. I truly feel that I have found my soul sister, my kindred spirit. Um, her goals in this industry are completely the same as mine. You haven't mine. told her this? I probably have. I'm sure I have told her in a, you know, maybe not this long of a statement, but, um, and my other business partner, Mindy Galloway, she has the most pure heart. She turns the other cheek to any human on earth. She's not a fool, but she is always kind, even when people don't deserve it. And that, to me, is the ultimate humanity. Um, There's yeah. a book that I read. Those I forget are, those which are one. My, my role models right now. I'm just gonna excuse me real quick. One of the highest forms of being, they say, is when you approach the world with love, with real love. Um, it's good vibrations or whatnot. Mindy brings so much love. Well, Mindy and Kimberly, really. Um, our company is really just founded on so much mutual love. It's, it's gorgeous. And is there a particular moment or a particular lesson that, that you can recall right now that either of these mentors of yours um, kind of blessed your life with? If you ever have a chance to spend some time with Mindy or Kimberly, you'll know exactly why I named them as mentors of mine. Um, Mindy and Kimberly are literally the most decent human beings. They're hardworking, they're ethical, they take care of people, um, they're nurturing, they're non-judgmental, they're passionate about human rights. Um, they're amazing. They're just amazing. You need to spend time with them. When you come to Sacramento... That was a good answer, actually. Yeah. Because, I mean, to spend time with somebody is actually the best way to get to know somebody. They're just... Their humanity brings out so much humanity in me.
Now, they're your partners in, am I pronouncing it correctly, Kemia? Kemia. Kemia, Kemia, Kemia. What does Kemia mean? Ah, I love talking about Kemia. So Kemia actually is um, the root word of chemistry and alchemy. Latin? Um, uh, yes. And we actually um, started Kemia uh, purely because we wanted to help all of these smaller businesses within the industry that were legacy artisans um, who weren't able to maintain a foothold in the marketplace once the regulations changed. Uh, they just had these amazing products and they just went away. So we wanted to pull them back in. So Kamiya has created a pathway for these smaller brands to come back to the industry. Uh, but because Kimberly, Mindy, and I are so well networked in the industry, we wanted to create an overarching brand that also addressed an additional need in the industry, which is how do we make females feel more comfortable utilizing cannabis? How do we do that? Because we're all women, right? We want to change, change the stigma, right? That's a cool term. I like that. Um, and so we went out in the market and we started doing research. We were pulling products left and right. And we're finding that like 89% of the products out there are all targeted towards like a male consumer. But 53% of the, of the people coming through the dispensary were women. And they need another woman to trust. Yes. I mean, me talking only goes so far. Exactly. And what is the message that consumers need to know about Kamiya? So, Kamiya, oh, there's so many wonderful things. Um, What's your mission statement? Our mission statement is... Um, Putting you on the spot, Mandy. Yep. Preserving cannabis artistry, reviving cannabis history. So we really are aiming towards maintaining where the integrity of our industry came from, talking about our roots, right? And then also keeping the artistry, that legacy um, formulation that really initially became the first oils, the first concentrates, the first, you know, whatever. I have a word for that. Yeah. Culture. And what does California cannabis culture mean to you, Mandy? California cannabis culture, it starts in the, the heart of humble. It starts wow. in the heart of humble. I'm sorry, that's where cannabis you culture is. wise guy. That's where the roots are. How did that how did that um, how did that come about in your life for you to recognize that? So when I was growing up, um, you always heard about the Emerald Triangle, right? And my father was in law enforcement. Um, Your biological father? Yeah. And he was fairly high up and was constantly talking about things that are going on up in the Emerald Triangle. And I didn't really give it too much thought. It sounded like an interesting place, actually. The Emerald Triangle, right? I was right? like, oh, that sounds like really cool. Um, once I got into the cannabis industry and was coming up here for cannabis business, not just for like camping or whatever, um, I got to feel a community. When you went to Humboldt? Yeah. When I came to Humboldt, I started to feel this community. I started to really feel like the pulse of cannabis was there, like the heartbeat. Where did there. you go? Was it for an event? Was it to a, a farmer's house? Um, I actually went up there for cannabis business for the first time uh, when I was working for Papa and Barkley. Garberville, Southern Humboldt, Northern Eureka. Mendocino. Eureka. Yeah, Eureka. And then into Garberville. Uh, I did my first farm tour in Garberville. That's where the real pulse is at. Yep. Have you ever been to the farms out at um, Humboldt's Finest? 
haven't been to that farm in particular, but I just got back from my outlaw farm on Friday. Oh, nice. It was really cool, and they're smoking the buds out there. Uh, I, got, I came back with a, a, about an ounce of Ventrum buds, uh, which the grower was very kind to hook me up with. Um, but no, I've also definitely respected 100% that the root of our culture comes from those who really risk life and limb um, to yeah. keep um, the movement going forward. And what was something that I read in an article recently is that none of this would be here without the outlaw breeder and grower culture. Absolutely. None of these genetics. Absolutely. And it's not that these guys are bad guys. They have an incredible love for the plant, no. sustainability, yeah. um, respect for women, um, mm -hmm. especially in my experience um, in this industry, is that women are empowered, they are equals. Some of the best ganja farmers are females. I think that's one of the things that excites me the most about this industry, is that's that females really are empowered here. I mean. Yes, we're still dealing with a lot of um, you know, male domination in the industry, the but that's, that's okay right now because we're on the rise and we're not getting any quieter, right? Uh, this industry has some of the strongest female leadership I've ever seen anywhere. Exciting. Honor the goddess. That's where I got that phrase from. That's right. Up in the Emerald Triangle. I mean, there's probably 60 amazing females on the other side of that wall right now. And Mandy, you know what I was uh, want to say, and it might be a little bit of uh, maybe not encouragement, maybe empowerment, is that we look at fashion, we look at music. Nobody wants to go to a nightclub with no women in it, right? True. So radio DJs, you know what I learned is they actually market to what women want yeah. to hear. Yeah. And so growing up, because I was so unbalanced or out of tune emotionally that I listen to nothing but rap music and no love music. Yeah. And now I listen to a lot of love music, and it's really cool. Like cannabis has helped me in that regard. I see nothing wrong. It's actually a point of mine to do stuff like this awesome. because I think that I don't lose any shine or I'm any less of a man to help empower women because women have a magic about them. And really, in ancient history, women led the way and were empowered um, in a way that we're not seeing today. And, and to be honest, Ma Mandy, uh, we're a little bit short on time. So I just want to summarize by you letting the audience know what role that you want to see women to have in the cannabis industry soon to be international cannabis industry because I know you're going there yeah yeah so my message to all the women in this industry right now is to do not sit down this is not the time to be quiet this is not the time to hold still full steam ahead join organizations that are supporting other women buy products from companies that are supporting women and Right now is the time to run, ladies. We are on the rise, and anybody who is helping raise us is coming with us. Mandy, how can the audience get a hold of you? Oh my gosh, okay, let's see. Uh, which email address? Let's just do uh, Mandy, M-A-N-N-D-I-E, at Kamia, K-H-E-M-I-A, M-F-G.com. Mandy at Mandy, thank you so much. This is a real slice of California cannabis culture. There's way more coming, and you encourage me to keep on shooting for the stars because I see you doing it, and that's where I want to be. Yes.